Welcome to the They Are Now 6 and 10 edition of uh, Sharing Socks. I'm Southside Socks duty geezer Lee Allen. With me, my son, and right now downtown uh, Chicago correspondent Will, still uh, in Chicago in the Cherry Orchard at the Goodman Theater. And uh, we're actually going to the game. This, we're recording this on Tuesday, uh, the 18th, and we're going to the game on the 19th. We want, I'm going to get in the disclaimer first. Purchase through third party. No money to Jerry. Taking the red line to the game. No parking. Eating lunch before we go for a 110 game. No purchase of food, and we hope beverage. And the weather's supposed to be okay that we don't need hot chocolate or ice something. So we'll see if we can go without putting a penny in Jerry's pocket. I don't expect we'll have a lot of other folks with us there on a weekday game in April. There never are except for opening day. So, uh, and we will get to see how much the crowd boos, uh, our low life acquisition because he's going to be on the mound. I'm not sure the crowd will boo him. I, I don't think there's going to be enough people, uh, to really get that going. And well, I, 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 well, there won't be many. And, and I also wonder whether to the casual fan or sort of middling fan has as much of a feeling about this as those of us who are intense fans do. No, they don't. They probably they don't even, even know, know that much about it. Yeah. yeah. For sure. For sure, We're and going we have in. we have even more soap opera. We'll see. We'll see if he uses uh, "Gold Digger" by Kanye West as his walk-up song again, as he had last Friday. Classy guy, classy, classy, guy. classy, classy. No end. And then when asked about it, basically tells the reporter to go himself. And uh, we'll see if uh, by tomorrow he has enticed any more teammates to go on Instagram, Instagram, and uh, like all of. Uh, Olivia Feinstein's pictures. I'm not not on any social media. I'm not on Instagram. Quickly, we'll do this. We do want to get to baseball, but Oscar Colas does all these likes, and, and she gets really ticked off and says, might get him off here. Would Oscar be able to even do... I mean, I don't mean he's incapable technologically, but he's picking her out of, I guess, hundreds of thousands of pictures of attractive young females. How would he do that if he doesn't have somebody telling him how to find her? I mean, there's all sorts of ways. I think none of that is worth looking into. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Personally, Oscar Colas's social media life is uh, probably not something we need to super care about. No, I, mean, I, I, I really think he was, <laughs> I, I think I just think he was put up to it. I don't care what he does, but uh, even if he was, and maybe he wasn't, who knows? Who knows? Who cares? Meanwhile, baseball, unfortunately. Well, the fortunate thing is with the postponement of Monday night's game, we have a doubleheader today and a uh, game we're going to on Wednesday against a team that's doing equally poorly, 6-10 and 10 record. If anything, more disappointing with the White Sox. They were coming from a World Series team were expected to be good. And also injury rattled, though. Also, and, and, extremely and they're, and they're, injury they're, rattled team. Their their big injury is is, is so huge with Bryce Harper, uh, and Schwarber and Real Muto were doing horribly until the last few games. So they they seem to be coming out of their starting. Well, losing losing Reese Hoskins for your whole and season. Hoskins. 
Yeah. While yeah. Reese isn't an elite player by any means, he certainly was a vital part of the World Series run. So that's a huge hit. That's a huge hit. That's uh, yeah, has him has him looking at at uh, Harper as a possible first baseman. He's been taking first base reps. He's been doing well. I I think we're going to see him come back sooner rather than later as a first baseman. He'll probably just play first base for most of this season, I think. I, I don't know that we'll see him in the outfield again this year. But getting him at first base, Harper's an elite player. He'll be fine at first. And just getting his bat back in the lineup is all the Phillies you know, really need to care about. So I, I still think it's going to be a minute. But the fact that he's actually practicing at first base and taking those reps, uh, he he will be back, I think, sooner than the original sort of August prediction. Uh, if he were playing in the outfield, I think we definitely wouldn't see him till the end of the summer. But now I think we might see him back a little earlier. Uh, and with a guy like Harper, that's good for baseball. So I hope he is uh, – hope he's recovering and, and get – gets back out there. I'm glad we won't have to see him tomorrow. I think tomorrow when we go to that game, they have a double header today, including a night game. Tomorrow you and I might see a minor league baseball game. I, <laughs> I think there is a good chance we are going to see two somewhat major league pitchers and then a ton of just any scrub we have is going to be out on the field tomorrow. Uh, well, it's only scrubs in the bullpen for both teams. The White Sox, of course, have by far the worst bullpen in the majors. I think the ERA is pushing to seven and a half now. And they walked 26 guys in three games against Baltimore. Walked 26 and hit one in the head, so that, that ups the, the free passes a little. Uh, there was a piece last week in the Defender and how the White Sox are the most dangerous team in baseball, both to opponents and themselves. And uh, after that, they hit a guy in the head. Uh, the thing I did a little little research uh, while we're kind of comparing them to uh, other teams in terms of pitching. And I kind of looked around all the good teams. Uh, They all have at least some starter who's averaging over six innings a game. Uh, We have a starter who's average. Our best starter is averaging around 5.1 innings per game uh and for the most part and and of course you know if you don't look at cease and don't look at Voldemort, our other three starters are sitting comfortably in the six to seven era range which is also fips fips with the exception of lynn uh but giolito uh has a decent fip in, in the threes and uh well that's most of the rest of the starters do they're right in that same range even even cease who is it's not sharp his last time out at all. But they're bringing up a 27th man because when you get the double header, you get to bring up a guy. And I forget the guy's name. That's how impressed I was. But in Charlotte, he has walked seven guys in seven and a third innings this year. So he's going to fit right in. With the wow, yeah. But the Phillies, where you got to get near them, they had the worst bullpen in the National League. So it's a real big mashup. It could be a you know 15-14 game before it's done. Absolutely. I mean, we could we could start this game on pace for it to be two hours and five minutes and then end with a three and a half, four hour game because <laughs> these bullpens are going to get absolutely lit up, except for the fact that there might only be three major league hitters playing in the game tomorrow. <laughs> so I'm not sure exactly uh, what will happen there. 
But uh, we are seeing two very struggling, horrible pitching staffs going at it tomorrow, which can be fun for the fans. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. I'm sure we'll get Jake Berger tomorrow. And Jake Berger is currently the hottest bat in Major League Baseball. Uh, four home runs through just eight games. Uh, his touched bases is one behind second on the team, despite having played half the games. So Jake is pretty hot right well, now. Well, the, the race is an interesting now. Uh, we'll have Jake the rest of the week because Moncada is on the IL until at least, I think, after the weekend or in the middle of the weekend somewhere. He could come off, not necessarily that he will. But an interesting thing with Eloy back off the IL and hitting miserable, miserably. He's hitting 161. His OPS plus is 36. Uh, and he's not getting better. Sunday, he struck out four times, four at-bats, and looked really bad in all of them. Uh, so you've got, for the position, this is the the roster setup that Sox have suffered from in recent years, but now even with Jose Gon, they got the same thing. Your best hitter on the team is Jake Berger. Now, he's going to stay at third base, but when Makata comes back... And he's also not going to be the best hitter on the team for all that long. No, <laughs> I think, no, the I think teams are going to pay, very... pay more attention to how to pitch to Jake Berger, and, and it'll slow down. But still, but credit credit where credits due, though. Jake Berger has come up and done a spectacular job filling in. You know, this is a guy who's constantly fighting to get to stay on a big league roster, and or he is doing. Feet. He gets hurt a lot. He's doing exactly. He is doing. Everything he can to to stay in the show, except catch the ball. He's not, not hasn't gotten that part down. But yet. you know, outside of Luis this season, no one catches the ball, so we don't really like have to worry ben, about ben, ben that. Right? catches the ball, but uh, in left field, <laughs> in left field, come on. Okay, Anyone well, crediting a left fielder yeah. with being good is the hottest. You know. Hottest hitters on the team are Jake Berger. Sebi Zavala, he's off on his own. He's he's fine in the position where he's in. And Gavin Sheets. And Luis. Luis, we know, is playing center field, so that's yeah. that's not a question. Luis, who by the way, is is fifteen total bases ahead of the second person on the team. So Luis is back to a type of Luis Robert Jr. that we wanted and were hoping to see. His center field so far is gold glove caliber. Oh, incredible. Honestly, no one's close. Uh, he has been far and away the most elite outfielder uh, this year in terms of catching the ball, and and that is just great to see. It's kind of the one truly shining thing we can latch ourselves to at this point in the season is, is seeing Luis Robert Jr. be the player that we thought he could be and know that he could be. And I that's... have a question for you, though, um, about this. So I'm not I'm not changing the topic. You, you started by talking about Eloy and how poorly he's hitting. Why do you think that is? Because Eloy is – we've, we've always had – and still, of course – we don't even have questions about his fielding anymore, actually. We just know, we know. about his fielding. But hitting – I mean, this is a guy who is actually an elite major league hitter. Has been, Yes. Yeah, which tells you he is. He's capable of it. He's still only 14 years old, so he's not out of his prime by any means. What do you think is going on there? Do we think it's injury-based? I, I, or I, Well, but the injury was a, it was a you know a minor hamstring issue, which 
you don't really see that as influencing striking out every time you're up. Uh, it's hard to say. I mean, everybody slumps. And, you know, I'm sure Babe Ruth slumped and, and, and Ty Cobb slumped and, 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 and so on. But, boy, it's bad. Uh, really, really It's bad. really bad. And, and it's, I it's wonder, strange. I wonder if, and, 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 of course, is it mental that he's now not the left fielder? You know, he was the left fielder in DH sometimes. He doesn't like DHing. He hit fine when he was DHing. So there weren't statistics to look at in prior years ago. Well, he doesn't really hit if he's on the bench in between. He did fine. In fact, he may have been a little higher DHing than had left. Uh, is he disappointed so much that that he's not going to be playing in the outfield much? And they say one or so twice a week. I that would be. Well, if that's the case, you've got no one to blame but Eloy because it's a team sport. You need to be fine with playing the part of the the role in the team picture that has been assigned to you. Eloy, at this point, if if this is coming out of just being disappointed he's not playing left field, I love Eloy. My message to you is suck it up and hit the ball, man, because you're throwing away the only thing you got if it's because of that. And I realize that's disappointing, but also you're still playing Major League Baseball. You're still getting the opportunity to get paid millions of dollars just to swing the bat. Get up there and swing the bat. So I think it's I think it's something else. And and well, you know, it, it could it always be it, as they say, a game of adjustments as the league figured something out. Sure. Uh, that's another possibility. Uh that's a bad one. <laughs> is he is he not hitting something that he formerly was hitting at least okay so that they would have to give him the occasional pitch he wants to see? And now are we looking at a situation where they know exactly what to throw to him because he is not hitting a certain ball? Uh, it From what I've watched in highlights, it looks like anything you throw him, he's not really hitting. So Yeah, high, I, high fastballs, I, uh, off-the-plate sliders. Yeah, which of course are are the hardest pitches to hit for a guy like that. But they've been throwing Eloy high fastballs, and they've been throwing him off the plate sliders. He doesn't hit the off the plate sliders, of course, but he's been a guy who can put the bat on on a high fastball. Fastball speeds seem to be a little lower than they were previously overall. So I, I, I'm not sure what's going on there, but I do know that does he need Eloy, time to get ready in the batter's box? Which could be it. You know, he was definitely a step out and wind up kind of guy, not a Nomar Garcia Para by any means, but he was a guy who, who took his time. And maybe the you have to be ready after eight seconds is something that's throwing him off. Can't give him a pass on that though, because everybody has to do it. And other hitters seem to be doing just fine, uh, with the eight second Fred ready and facing the pitcher adjustment. I, I can't give anyone a free pass for that that kind of stuff. Everyone has to do it. Um, shift stuff certainly isn't playing a part in this in no, any right way, shape, or form. Not a big deal. Yeah, not he's not a lefty. They're you know they're not shifting him in any way that is more interesting than they've shifted him in the past. He is, I think, just what we would call off to a very slow start. I, 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 <laughs> I don't say that. Yeah. It's, you know, we're 16 games in. We really know nothing about how this season is going to shape up at this point. 
I am still a firm believer that Eloy is going to figure it out and is going to start mashing the ball. And I do think that Eloy is one of those guys where once he has a good game, he's going to be set after that. But he, he really needs to have a great game at the plate. And, you know, these next few days is a great opportunity for that because he's going to be facing really bad pitchers. He's going to be facing a lot of minor league pitchers. He's going to be facing a bullpen that can't get anybody out. Uh, so I do think there's well, a possibility. He's facing two, two, one excellent, really. Zach uh, Wheeler's not off to a great start, but he's, he's an excellent pitcher. Uh, for sure, for Wal- sure. Tejan Walker's pretty good. In between, they've got a rookie who's been hammered pretty hard. So that would be a chance to do it. Yeah, it's good to do it now because after the Phillies, who are, again, playing very badly, uh, it's Tampa Bay, Toronto, Tampa Bay for 10 games. Well, Tampa That's... Bay hasn't done anything this season. <laughs> well, they've lost two games lately. What the heck? <laughs> They're only on pace to win 140, <laughs> which I know can't happen. Well, of course, but, the Sox uh... are on pace to lose 100, so we should get it. Perfect. Yeah, that, that lines up perfectly. Uh, we, we, I do want to talk about these upcoming series, but let's, uh, let's just take our break here real quick before we dive into that. We will be right back. On Sharing Socks. Welcome back to Sharing Socks. We somewhat dissected. uh, It was more of a broad wash of miserable uh, as we head into game 17. I didn't didn't get a chance to get into the fact that, once again, the Sox are 29th in baseball at swinging at pitches outside the zone, which is why they're also 28th now in in walks. Uh, Why is that? Why is that not getting better? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we we look at that. Well, it's got to be. They're not. They're not. They don't have played this one, but they will. We got to work on it. It's been years. It's year after year. After years, year. years, and there's and, new and, guys telling and, them and what to do man- differently. Different guys, different managers, and they swing at everything. And and it's the only team worse. Is my always- Tuesday night softball team? That's the only team worse. Is that the Tigers? No, my Tuesday night softball team, the the Rebel Alliance, swings at every first pitch. If I'm not playing and taking a walk from the leadoff spot, which, by the way, gives me no pride in slow pitch softball, <laughs> but it's the only thing I can do to get these guys not to swing at the first pitch every single time is to go up there and be like, look, they don't throw strikes most of the time in this league. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, but go ahead, go ahead. But at, at, at any rate, the play—it's the Tigers, and it was last year. Yeah, the only team down with them in the in the walks level, and also in the 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 O swings, it's the the total lack of plate discipline. And it's and the Tigers are game. all the Tigers are all twenty one years old. That's or the 50. other thing. Yeah, or fifty, or fifty five, sixty. But yeah, it's it's absolutely absurd. That we are still talking about how the White Sox swing at every single pitch. And you would think that the pitching staff at the White Sox would say, look, guys, we actually don't throw a lot of balls in, in, in the strike zone. So maybe go up there thinking you're not going to see a ton of pitches in the strike zone uh, because we throw 100 pitches every four innings which tells you that they're not all strikes. Uh, so maybe go up there and look at uh, a couple pitches before swinging away. I, it's maybe the thing about the White Sox that is 
confusing me the most right now is the fact that they – I haven't looked at the stats on this, so it's possibly not, but in my watching point of view, have gotten worse at taking walks or at least worse when it comes to swinging at terrible pitches. Like, uh, they're, yeah, they're swinging at stuff that's not close. Yeah, and it's, and it's not just sliders that fool. Right. Uh, and, and of course, one of the, one of the main offenders on this is Luis, who took his first walk on Sunday, I think. Well, See, if you're going to hit three something, and then you're going to be on base, and you're going to have 37 total bases after 16 games, you are the one guy who I'm going to be like, all right, go for it, do your thing. <laughs> Clearly, walking is not going to be it, which is a shame because he's a base stealing threat, and especially now, even more of a base stealing threat. Uh, but I, I just truly am at a loss on, on what's going on with hitting coaching at, at the White Sox right now, uh, which is going to get worse as we, we go. And- hitting coaches. It's been multiple hitting coaches through this series and multiple managers, multiple everything, and nothing seems to change. Uh, and now we're about to go up against two teams, Tampa, Toronto, and Tampa, that are absolutely going to take advantage of that. They are, they are sitting there. Those pitching staffs are sitting there going, well, I don't know if I have to throw a strike this week, which is kind of nice, uh, cause I can just throw the ball and the White Sox are going to swing at it. And, and, you know, Tampa Bay is a team that is expert at looking at cracks in other teams and figuring out that's how they win. They don't win because they're mashers. They don't win because they are loaded with stars. Although now they have a couple guys who are stars and Wander Franco and, and Randy Rosarena. But, you know, they are a team that wins because they find the fault in your game. They don't necessarily just excel at, at the game of baseball in other ways. They're going to eat the White Sox alive if the White Sox do not start taking pitches. And Toronto, of course, good pitching staff. And well, and, and the, the reverse of that is since, since the White Sox walk more than anybody else except one team in baseball, if not only will they not throw strikes to the White Sox if, if the White Sox swing at anything that comes up there, they're not going to swing at all the balls being thrown by our pitchers who cannot cannot for the life of them throw strikes. Which what do you say? Walks and a hit batsman in three games. That does want that does bring me to the main thing I wanted to talk about today, which is the Ethan Katz experiment over. You know. I think both of us were huge fans of having Ethan Katz come in. Of course. Uh, hugely supportive of Katz through is it three years now. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I mean, three it, years is a decent sample size. Certainly, Ethan, Ethan Katz isn't going out there and saying to the pitching staff, uh, no, nah, I don't throw any strikes. Just go ahead and walk as many people as you can because that tires them out. Uh, it's I don't know. They're not getting clobbered. I mean, they are getting clobbered, but the bases are loaded when they get clobbered because of the walks. Uh, I mean, that's an interesting question. I, I wondered about it. I've seen comments on uh, our site and, and uh, similar sites. People going, Here, Here's well, what I'll ask you then. Here's what I'll ask you then. Why is the Ethan Katz experiment not over? That's that's silence. That is stumped silence you're hearing. There's not it been is. a glitch in the recording. 
is it is is it the problem that cats is not coaching them well or that these are pitchers who don't throw very well in the first place, particularly the bullpen. But they can all throw strikes. They're major league pitchers. They know where the strike zone is. They can all throw strikes. And I, I agree, of course, Ethan Katz is not going up there and saying, don't throw strikes to these guys. I'm sure Ethan Katz is saying something to the opposite. But why isn't Ethan Katz saying, just try to throw the ball down the middle every time? Just see what happens. Just throw the ball in the zone every time and just see what happens. Because the walks, the, the hit by pitches are a fluke. I, I mean, that just happens. Ball gets away from guys. It's, it sucks, but it happens. The walks are, are not a fluke. The walks are bad pitching. And, you know, when I was a pitcher back in the day, there is nothing I hated more than letting a guy go to first base for free. I, I, I can't think of it. If a guy hit a home run off of me, it was like, all right, I got beat. When you're walking someone, you're not getting beat except for on the rare occasion that you have, you know, a 10 pitch at bat where a guy's fouled off five and, yeah, and, and, guy, and, and one gets beat. away from you. Yeah. That is a scenario where you can get beaten into a walk. We're not seeing that. We're, we're just seeing guys get free passes. As well, a and pitcher, as we've talked about many times before, it's not just the walks either, because it's it's the pitching inefficiency that takes more pitches per inning for the White Sox than anybody else, because everything's a three-two count. Even if even if they come back and get the guy, uh, you know, you've used up six pitches uh, at least. I mean, that's yeah, if no one fouled one off. You know, yeah. I, and you can't be doing that. You can't be going six, seven pitches deep on every batter and be a team that wins Major League Baseball games. I obviously don't have the history of those stats, but I have to assume that teams that throw seven pitches to every guy are not winning baseball teams. I just have to assume that. When you're talking about a, a situation where your starters pretty much have to be out of the game by, by at, at, at best the sixth, uh, you, you can't win games like that. To me personally, the Ethan Katz experiment is over. And I, I'm sure some people are going to hear this and think that's ridiculous, but I actually don't think that many people are going to hear this at this point and think that's ridiculous. You are talking about a guy who's had three years with the same guys, a lot of them. It, it's not like we had Katz and now our, our pitching staff is a totally different group of guys. I mean, in the Cats' tenure, it's been Lynn, Cease, Giolito, Kopech. And Kopech's been hurt for a lot of it, but still, we've, we've had a decent sample size of Kopech pitching under Cats. And the bullpen has been a lot of the same guys. Now, there have been new ones uh, throughout the way, but, you know, we don't have a ton of guys in our bullpen this year who weren't in our bullpen last year. And then from last year, we don't have a ton of guys who weren't in the bullpen the year before, or at least on the team the year before and on the pitching staff. Where, when does this experiment become a success? Are we talking about six years in saying Ethan Katz really turned this around, but it was bad for five years? And, and I'm not hating on Katz. I think Katz is still a valuable pitching coach in a lot of ways, but it seems like the fit just clearly isn't right. Well, what, what he was really good at, is really good at, is and, and worked brilliantly with Giolito 
worked brilliantly with uh, Carlos Rodon, uh, worked pretty well till this year with, with uh, uh, Renato Lopez, is getting guys to shorten up their delivery, uh, use more lower body, and less motion so that you're, you're more repeatable on every pitch. That's his whole shtick. And it's a good shtick. It's an excellent shtick. Uh, but we're also seeing that it's across not, the majors. We're seeing that across the majors. Other guys have picked up on what he did. Yeah, because he was with the Giants and, you know, he's been other places. Uh, and also, I'm not giving him any credit for Carlos Rodon. I'm sorry. Rodon was a hurt guy and is, no, is but I, you just can, ended you can look up being at, as good as we thought he would be. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, he was incredible at it. But I, I still remember looking at the, the – the videos that was on the Seattle Mariners site of our of SB, SB Nation, uh, where the guy broke down plus you know before and after through through series of things, and everybody's saying, "Oh, Rodon's going to be bad," and showed what was different in his delivery, and his delivery changed, and it was on purpose, and it was done that way. And Cass did a great job with that. If what you're doing is getting people to shorten their delivery and to cut down on excess motion and making sure they're repeating everything uh, so they're not giving away any pitches. That doesn't explain why they're walking everybody. Your accuracy should be better. Your accuracy <laughs> has has to improve. And, and just to, why to that's clarify not working, this to, to people, uh, most people don't watch this uh, broadcast, so to the 10 people who watch it, but also to the people who listen to it, uh, that that is a big thing to go from the big so back in the day they taught a big sweeping arm motion and getting that extension all the way back so they were actually teaching a a longer motion for quite a while in baseball because the longer that journey you have theoretically the more steam you're going to pick up well that teaching has changed a lot and has now gone to use your legs keep that really short when i was pitching you know, they didn't want you short arming ever, but players are bigger, they're faster, they're stronger now. So you can do that. And what that should allow you to do is by eliminating all of this space that the arm is taking up on that delivery, it should give you pinpoint control. That's the reason guys, high school pitchers would start short arming. Was, you know, it turned you from, from at that time, the logic was you be, you go from being a pitcher to a thrower and you would shorten up just to be like, I just got to get the freaking ball in the zone. So I'm going to shorten up and it allows you to do that. Now you're going to get hit, uh, because we hadn't figured out how to pitch as well with the short arm. <laughs> they figured that out now and the short arming is absolutely helpful. But what you're saying is a hundred percent correct. The short arming is designed to allow for consistency, but we're actually seeing the opposite of that for the White Sox. We're, we're seeing it as a whole in baseball, kind of the opposite of that, but we're really seeing it from the White Sox that they have shortened up in the way that should allow you to pretty much pinpoint where, where you are sending the ball every time. And they are not hitting spots. They are not even close to hitting spots, even on some you know, uh, good strikeouts we've seen. You see Seppi set up high and inside, and they're getting the guy on a low outside pitch. That's just pure luck that you have misplaced a ball so horribly and you still get a strikeout. 
I get it. Strikeouts are important. That looks good on the page, but that's actually really bad because this short arm delivery should be allowing you to pinpoint a high fastball perfectly almost every single time. The other thing it does is it should mask what kind of pitch you are throwing. We've had some issues with some theoretical tipping pitches this season. I'm not sure I'm really buying into a lot of that. But what we are seeing is uh, it, it, they're not fooling a lot of people. Outside of Cease when he's hot, uh, which he has not super been this season, but he's been okay. And uh, Voldemort, I think his success has just been pure early season luck. I think we're going to see oh, that yes, fade yeah. violently. Yeah, violently that is going to be great defense and he's and and some yeah his FIP is in the high three so yeah that that's not going to happen but I think I think what we are learning unless we see a pretty drastic turnaround over the next couple months is that the Ethan Katz experiment is kind of over and I I hope he gets another shot somewhere to do this again but I don't think he's the answer for these White Sox guys I really don't and and if your big argument is, well, you know, he came up with Giolito. Well, Giolito kind of sucks. And he's got an ERA around six and a half. I know you can go to the FIP. His FIP is okay. But this is a guy who a couple of years ago we were talking about being a Cy Young contender. And now we're just like, oh, it would be nice if he could be but, a yeah, reliable but three. One thing that's, that's never come up, you talk about Giolito and, and Katz, and of course they go back to Giolito's high school days. Uh, is Giolito put on all that weight for 2022 and fell apart as a pitcher? I never heard much discussion or any discussion at all about whether the team had encouraged that or whether that's something that Lucas did on his own. Whether Katz had any role that, yeah, if you get stronger, you know, you'll last deeper into games or whatever it may be. I, I, Never heard any mention of, of what the team... But, what Katz, but if that's the case, and if Katz is doing his job, that should have been, okay, Lucas, you can get stronger, but it all needs to be on the lower half. Because coming back with the big chest and the big shoulders, when has that ever helped a pitcher? I mean, look at, look at Randy Johnson. Look at Chris Sale. These are, these are strong guys, but they, they did not succeed because they had bulging chests and shoulders and biceps. You know, nothing in the history of pitching has told you. If, if having a, a bulging bicep meant that you were a better major league pitcher, Jimmy Cordero would have been the best pitcher in the history of baseball because he showed you his bicep every game and that guy still couldn't get it done. So I, I think. Katz has, whatever the experiment is, it has run its course. It's not working. If I were the White Sox at this point, I would let Katz go in a very friendly way. I would recommend him to other ball clubs. But I would bring in someone who is really, really strict and really, really hard. I I mean, they need a guy who's going to come in and just kind of kick their butts about this stuff. Because right now we are just seeing no good signs. We are seeing no good signs that this pitching staff is going to be worth anything this year. Cease, again, is fine. But I, I'm certainly not seeing a scenario where Cease is even in consideration for the Cy Young at this point. And, and I, I think it's time we, we let him go. It's not going to happen anytime soon. We know the White Sox hold on to these coaches until they die. 
Uh, but I'm I'm hoping. Um, we is are. It, is it the, could it could it be that the spider tech, uh, the attack on spider tech affected the White Sox more than other teams? Were we using it more than that? Specifically, Spider Tech, but poor Coop. And even well, I would I say imagine. that, except except look at Garrett Cole. Look at Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole was his whole body was covered in Spider Tech a couple of years ago. He's out there throwing complete games for the Yankees, throwing throwing ninety nine miles an hour. So like the, these can't be just on one thing. Everybody was using Spider Tech. <laughs> Everybody was using it. So if the answer is that the White Sox were only good when they could use spider tack, so be it. But we need to figure out how they can be good without spider tack. Because that would be the, yes. the without spider tack experiment has a full season sample size now. So it's not like we're looking at, oh, well, maybe they're still getting used to no spider tack. No, we, we've, that ship has sailed. That, that, that can't be it. Uh, we are out of time for this week, though, but le- let me hear if you have any final thoughts before we head to the ballpark. No, we're going tomorrow. to the game. It, it should be interesting to see what it feels like in the in the park and what I think will be a pretty empty park. And as you say, we're going to be watching mostly the second string, although the Sox have the, the day off the next day, so it, it may not be as much so for them as for the Phillies. But uh, oh, we'll see. It probably depends on how this doubleheader goes. With the shorter games, uh, maybe it won't use everybody up, but – Probably as opposed to everybody. And we have our 27th man who, who walks a, a guy in innings. So he's Which is the only saving grace for tomorrow is that these games today are shorter. Because I'll be honest, <laughs> they had to play two nine-inning games today against the Phillies. Oh, my goodness. I don't know that there would be a, a live arm left for tomorrow's <laughs> games. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was, I was. Aren't they short this year? Are they seven innings? Oh, are they back to nine? I I thought they had I, gone. Th- there there was something in the discussions preseason. Oh, look, hang on, stay I there. I know that I know that minor league had gone. Some of the minor leagues had gone back to seven. Had done seven. Um, but yeah, actually, I, th- I think you might be right. I think the major league games might be back to nine inning doubleheader. If that's I, the I, case, I thought it went back. If that's the case. I am looking forward to Hanser Alberto throwing three innings tomorrow. No, he can't. He's on the IL. We've lost our right. Yeah, so we're, Leori, we're, we're, back, we're back to nine innings. We went back to nine innings last year. Oh my goodness! And 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 Leori, we we don't have that ace in the bullpen anymore either. So I don't I don't know what we're going to do. Yeah, about I don't. That. I don't. It's, that's a good point. And and the other one. Josh Harrison is with the Phillies now. They've got their guy. So they've got a closer. <laughs> oh, this is just looking brutal. Um, all right. That is all the time for this week. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, I'm excited to go to the ballpark tomorrow anyway, just to see what happens, just to get the vibe in the stadium. Uh, if you tune in, we will be starting in the eighth row, and probably by the end of the second, we will be in the front row. And probably by the end of the eighth, one of the two of us will be pitching. So it should be uh, an exciting game. Thanks so much. (laughs) You better with that rotator cuff surgery. You got to. So we'll talk about short shortening that delivery before tomorrow's game. Uh, Thanks so much for listening. We will see you next time on Sharing Socks.